Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Glad you can be with us. After serving in the U.S. House of Representatives from 2011 to 2021, serving Ohio's 15th Congressional District, Steve Stiver stepped down earlier this year to become the president of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. He joins us today on The Landscape to talk a bit about his career and also some of the priorities for the chamber coming up in the next several months. Mr. Stivers, thanks for being with us today. Great to be with you. I know you've talked about this in the past, but talk for just a moment about why you decided now was the right time to make a job change, a transition. Well, I wasn't really looking for a job and the Ohio Chamber called me and uh, asked me to come in and talk to them. But the more I heard about the chamber and, you know, thought about coming back to Ohio and working here, you know, every day as opposed to going back and forth between Ohio and Washington every week, it seemed very attractive to really make a difference, uh, make Ohio more competitive make Ohio a place where everybody has the opportunity to live their economic dream and has real economic opportunity and to be in the same town as my family every day. So that that's what made it appealing. I'm excited about it. And, you know, I'm now 12 weeks in and things are moving the right direction. We got a long way to go, but we've had some success uh, even early. Any big surprises or challenges as you've started this new job? Well, you know, the, the surprises that we all kind of, I kind of knew, but it's, interesting to see is, you know, there are a lot of people who claim they're pro-business, even, you know, that might think they're pro-business, but they're not focused on business issues. You know, for example, there's a bill that got a hearing today. Uh, The sponsor would tell you she's pro-business, but she's trying to take away businesses' right to control their workplace, to control the safety of their workplace. Um, You know, it's a vaccine bill. 99.5% of Ohio's businesses are not going to mandate a vaccine, but the tiny percent that might, might be folks that have immune compromised clients or patients. They might be hospitals. They might be nursing homes. They might be doctors or dentists office or pharmacies. And those businesses deserve to have the tools they need to protect their patients and their employees And anybody that would take them away and try to claim they're pro-business, you really can't be both. You can't be pro-business and take away businesses' rights at the same time. Are you surprised that some of the people who support this bill would be the first ones to say that they are small government? Well, it is ironic because it's a big government bill. It's a government takeaway of private employers' power. And it's not just around the COVID vaccine. This applies to every vaccine. Uh, And it's, uh, it's really ironic and it's really unfortunate and we're going to you know, call out the hypocrisy that exists on bills like this. So who belongs to the Ohio Chamber of Commerce these days? We have 8,000 members in the chamber, big businesses, small businesses, everything in between, every industry from retail to manufacturing to agriculture to uh, you know uh, services business, financial businesses, real estate, no matter what the industry, no matter what the geography inside Ohio, um, there are big and small members. So we are the voice of all business, big and small, every geography, every industry. And, uh, you know, it's uh, of the 8,000 members, uh, more than half of them are small businesses with less than 50 employees. So we have a lot of small businesses, but then we have a lot of successful businesses that have, you know, more than 50 employees, more than in many cases, big businesses have more than 500 employees. You mentioned in a conversation with a Columbus television station, you said there's a valley of death for a lot of Ohio companies that we need to get them through. So what is this valley that we need to help businesses get through? Well, this is the valley between when you start your company and when you hit profitability 
Um, and, and when you hit profitability, lots of times you can access um, the capital markets, you can access loans, but we need to help create some more venture capital and some more early stage capital in Ohio that is based in Ohio, that invests in Ohio companies. You know, we have some out-of-state companies that will invest in Ohio companies. That works too. But we need more capital here in Ohio to help these smaller companies grow, become profitable, and, and then hopefully get access to the capital markets where they can get a loan or they can get equity infusions from lots of investors. Is there a particular roadblock that keeps Ohio companies or Ohio investors who might have the money to be venture capitalists to decide to make those kind of investments? Well, I think we need to look at some of our tax laws, but we also need to create Ohio-based funds. And so we were pursuing an idea to create a fund of funds in Ohio that would be not one fund, but a bunch of different funds based all throughout the state that would you know, help grow businesses in their areas and be based in Ohio, but do their investing in Ohio. I think that's really, it's about focus. It's about having that capital. And we're focused on helping create that ecosystem of funding for Ohio businesses that will help them scale up uh, if they want to grow or just help them achieve the path to profitability if they're new. If you were going to try to convince an outside investor or even an investor in Ohio to invest in the state of Ohio and its businesses, what would you tell them our strengths are? I think Ohio has a ton of strengths. We have a, an incredible workforce with a strong work ethic. We have great access to fresh water. We have uh, an incredible transportation network. We are geographically positioned within one day's drive, eight hours drive of more than 50% of the country's population. We have uh, competitive taxes. We need to do better there. We have competitive regulations. We need to do better there. Uh, our power is affordable compared to a lot of other places. Uh, utilities are affordable. So we have a lot of things going for us. Uh, one of the things that we need to continue to work on that's a struggle everywhere in this country right now is the amount of workforce. We still have more open positions right now than we have qualified people who have the skills that are looking for those jobs. Now, we do have some unemployed people that need to reskill, and that's one of our you know, opportunities. We've got to figure out how to get those people that might want a job but don't have the right skills, the skills they need. So we have a lot of strengths. We have some opportunities and we have a few weaknesses, but we're working on them. What are you hearing from business owners about the labor shortage that we've been hearing a lot about? And we've heard of certainly in the, in the uh, restaurant industry, but other places too, that there's that it's been tough to get some people to come back to work. I hear it from every industry in every geographic part of Ohio. The number one thing I hear from employers is they can't get enough people to do their jobs. And so it's the number one issue is around workforce. Uh, there's lots of ways to solve it. The quickest way is to import qualified workers from other states. Um, and uh, I hope we can make Ohio a destination. During COVID, you probably know, people move into Ohio to do business from Ohio because it's a great place to work, live, and raise a family. And um, they might have been working remotely for a company in the coasts, California or New York, but they lived in Ohio when they did it. They came back home to Ohio to work here during the pandemic. So we already have that um, recent experience of people coming back to work here during the pandemic. <clears throat> we just need to continue that focus and getting people to come back to Ohio <clears throat> or move to Ohio for the first time. The Chamber is obviously working with the businesses that are members of the Chamber, but what other organizations do you partner with? We partner with a lot of organizations. There are 
um, you know, associations like the Manufacturers Association, the Farm Bureau, the retail merchants, the um, Ohio National Federation of Independent Business, and the Ohio Business Roundtable. Those are together with those groups, that's six groups. Those are the six big business groups in Ohio that work together on a ton of issues. And so we'll work with those six groups, but we work with other industry groups like the Realtors, like the Bankers Association, like the uh, Truckers Association, the Restaurant Association. There are 21, the Hospital Association, there are 21 other groups that we also work with a ton. Those are the 25, 26 groups that we work with the most at the state capitol every day. And uh, we try to make sure Ohio's business climate continues to get better. We often talk about manufacturing as being a key part of Ohio business. But I think sometimes here in Cleveland, when you're in the middle of public square, you're at Broad and High in Columbus, you forget about how important agriculture is to the state of Ohio. How big is that these days? Agriculture is still the largest issue, the number one issue uh, type of industry in Ohio. And that that includes, you know, farmers, but it also goes all the way to, you know, food companies, you know, that Gino's Pizza Rolls are made in Ohio. Totino's Pizza Rolls are made in Ohio. We make all kinds of food products in Ohio. We refine things here. So agriculture is still our number one issue uh, if you count the value of everything in that chain. It is a big deal and it's an important industry for Ohio's future. And it's going to be, it's uh, in most of our rural areas, it's a giant, giant issue as well. In July, the chamber launched what they called its Ohio Economic Dashboard. Can you tell us a little about what kind of information that provides? Well, the Ohio Economic Dashboard talks about how we're doing as a state, and we're going to continue to focus and refine the dashboard over time. It'll help people understand how Ohio's economy compares to the rest of the country, how we're doing on taxes, how we're doing on regulation, how we're doing against neighbor states on education and workforce development you know, how we're doing on the cost of living and the cost of doing business. Those are things we need to measure those things every day to make sure that Ohio continues to be a better and better place to do business. My goal is to make sure Ohio is the best place in the country and the best place in the world to do business because we're not just competing you know, against Indy, Indiana, we're competing against India. So it's uh, we're competing in a global marketplace every day and we need to make sure Ohio is competitive against all our global competitors and the other states as well. Does the chamber work with international companies, though, to try to draw business to the state of Ohio? We uh, work with Jobs Ohio together and uh, the state of Ohio to try to encourage uh, more international trade for our members to actually sell to other companies, but direct investment in Ohio from around the globe as well. The chamber has a political action committee, which, of course, you need in order to lobby and do other things. It sounds like you've had a pretty good year fundraising there. We have. So we've uh, really had a new emphasis on it, and we've increased our uh, our uh, fundraising uh, five times over last year and three times over our best year ever. So we're just leaning into that and trying to get it even more powerful. My goal is to uh, try to have the political action committee raise about half a million dollars a year or about a million dollars over a two-year legislative cycle so that we can help make sure that pro-business Republicans and pro-business Democrats are elected to the legislature to make sure Ohio becomes competitive and and becomes the most competitive place to do business in the world. Lots of people are talking about the American Rescue Plan. Those dollars are on their way to Ohio. What are some of the ways you think the chamber would like to see those dollars distributed around the state? 
Well, it's one-time money, and I think it's important that we spend one-time money on one-time expenses. We, the last thing we'd want to do is have that one-time money grow a bureaucracy that we'd have to feed with higher taxes uh, over the long term. So there are important one-time things that we need to do. We've all learned how important broadband is in our rural areas. It simply doesn't exist. In many of our urban centers, it's simply too expensive for everybody to access. But we need to think of broadband internet service just like we think of roads, just like we think of bridges. It's an important um, uh, infrastructure that we need to keep up. And I think investing in broadband is really, really important. I think there's um, some important uh, transitional funding we need to do. And then I talked about that funds of funds approach where we invest to avoid that valley of death for those companies. If we could have the one-time money used to help grow Ohio businesses and grow our economy uh, for the long-term, that would provide long-term impact to our economy and provide prosperity for thousands of Ohioans. House Bill 168 wants to use some of the American Rescue Plan money to help reduce Ohio's federal unemployment debt, which is, I think, over $1.5 billion? $1.6 billion. They paid it. That bill passed and was signed by the governor, and that debt is going to be paid with one-time money. It's important to pay that off, but it's also important long-term, Bill, to look at the structural imbalance in our unemployment system. We have traditionally more weeks of unemployment than the states around us. Uh, we pay, we're one of few states that pay you more depending on how many dependents you have. And, you know, frankly, that's not between you and the unemployment system. That's between you and your family, how many dependents you have. The unemployment system should pay you based on your wage, not based on your wage and how many children you have. So I, I think that's uh, an antiquated system we need to modernize. I also think that, uh, in my opinion, the unemployment system should provide you a bonus if you find a job earlier to encourage people to get a job quicker. And at some point, the average claim lasts about 12 to 13 weeks, but you can go up to 26 weeks. At some point in that process, maybe about 10 weeks, we should recognize that you might not have the skills you need to get a job. And we should probably require people after 10 weeks to be in a job training program to get the skills they need to make sure that the unemployment system gives them a springboard to the next job. The point of an unemployment system is to springboard you between losing one job and helping you gain another job. We need to create the right incentives in that system, even if we don't shorten the number of weeks like other states have. You think it would be difficult, though, to convince taxpayers and others that we need to pay for those kinds of uh, programs? Say, you know, a person hits 10 weeks. And I, you know, I don't think so because they're paying for it now. They're okay. paying people to be unemployed and, you know, they're paying them for tw up to 26 weeks without any requirement on the person. I think having a requirement on the person that they be in a training program after some amount of time makes a ton of sense. And I think paying people an incentive on the front end of the program actually will will decrease the amount of claims that go longer because people will say, oh, if I get a if I get a job in the first four weeks, I get a big bonus payment, I'm gonna get a job in the first four weeks. It actually makes it cheaper on the whole system because people have an incentive then to get a job faster. And if it results in a shorter average claim, it'll more than make up for the cost of paying people bonuses. Uh, and it gets employers, employees faster Again, it's that's a win for the system, a win for that employee, and a win for the employer. So it's a win-win uh, outcome, in my opinion. 
one of the things we've seen during the pandemic is that companies did need people. And so some of them were decided to increase wages, sometimes in a substantial amount. And that seemed to draw people to come to work. Is that something that we'll, you think will continue as the pandemic fades, that those wages will go back down? Or have we hit a new reality here? Well, I think we've seen a, a shortage of employment that we will not cease, uh, cease anytime soon. I think the increase in wages is here to stay. I think you'll see it, especially at the lower levels, it is growing faster because that's where the biggest shortages are. And I think, you know, it's simple supply and demand. If you pay more, you'll see more people come get those jobs. And so I do expect that that'll be with us for a while. And it may put some price pressure on some products. You may see prices of products go up because the labor cost inside those is going up. So it may cause a little bit of uh, a little bit of inflation. But certainly, uh, if that's what it takes to get people to make the products and and be labor uh, at the jobs that are available, then that's what the market's going to bear. And and obviously, uh, we'll see if people are willing to pave the price for that in higher costs of goods and services, which likely will come as a result of increased wages. Registration is now open for Cranes Cleveland Business's annual healthcare forum. This unique event will take place in two parts, with both virtual and live components. The virtual event on September 14th is free to attend and will feature a live Q&A with representatives from six different companies within Cleveland's Innovation District. These discussions will be used to help shape the discourse of the live event on September 21st. To purchase tickets and register, go to cranescleveland.com and click the Events tab. We've mentioned manufacturing and agriculture and, and venture capital. Is, is there some other area here in Ohio that is, has really a great potential for growth, you think? I think financial services is is uh, one of our competitive advantages in Ohio, whether you have companies like Progressive in Cleveland, you have companies like Nationwide, American Financial, and uh, Western Southern in Cincinnati, Grange in, in Columbus. So there's a lot of, and then the banks, you know, Key Bank up uh, in Cleveland, uh, Huntington here, Fifth Third in Cincinnati. We have a lot of strength in financial services in Ohio. And I think that's got to be one of our focus areas. They're great jobs. They're clean jobs. They're white collar jobs. They have good pay and great flexibility. So I think you're going to see those jobs increasing over time. And you've seen an increase of those companies selling. So Allstate bought Safe Auto in Columbus. Uh, Liberty Mutual bought State Auto in Columbus. Uh, You're starting to see those kind of transactions play out where out-of-state companies are buying Ohio companies. And for example, for Liberty Mutual, Columbus will be a huge base for them now and almost rival as many employees as they have in Boston. But Ohio is a much cheaper place to do business than Boston, Massachusetts. So I expect to see companies like Liberty after they get here make a continued investment in growing uh, Ohio presence and Ohio employees. And we've seen incredible fintech and entrepreneurship in that um, in that space too. You know, we've got a lot of startup insurance companies that are unique, that are um, much more based on technology. And uh, we are going to see, I think, a ton of growth uh, around that uh, financial services area in the next 10 to 20 years. And we just have to be careful. You know, we got a lot of regional companies that could be bought out. We need to make sure that if they are bought, that the big companies that are coming to Ohio understand Ohio is a good place to invest in uh, growing their workforce. So we've got a little bit of a a charge ahead of us as consolidation might happen, but I think it's a huge opportunity as well. 
One final question. We frequently ask our guests to the landscape. So how did you survive the pandemic? What did you do for fun? How did you keep your sanity? Well, we got a COVID dog like a lot of a lot of people. Ike was, uh, we already had a dog and we got another dog during the pandemic because, you know, why not? And uh, two is, two is he's better a golden than one. doodle. He's, he's now about 80 pounds. He's a year and a half old. He's a great dog. He's semi well behaved. But uh, that was one of the things our family did during the pandemic. Obviously, I was working from home. We were teaching from home because my kids, my uh, now third grader and sixth grader were in second and fourth grade during the pandemic and spent a lot of time on virtual school. And we all spent a lot of time on uh, on Zoom and Teams and all these programs I didn't even know before. So uh, being on the podcast is kind of a natural because uh, we've all been doing this in front of a computer camera for the last 15 months. Look forward to get back into the studio to do this. Steve Stivers, president of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. Thanks so much for joining us today for The Landscape. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Steve Stivers is the president of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. He joined us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. On behalf of our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Palata. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.